What is up, Ryuji here. Welcome back to the Two Rowdy Vegans episode of this week. Happy Friday. What we got in store for you this time is a talk that Renee did at the Conscious Eating Conference uh, in Berkeley not too long ago. And in this piece, she goes deep into the story of Rowdy Girl, what the Rancher Advocacy Program is, and also families choosing compassion. This is one of my favorite times that Renee has told the entire story, really, and, and spoken about all the different aspects of the activism and advocacy that um, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary does. So I really hope you enjoy this piece. I love it for sure. See you inside. Two, two, two Rowdy Begins, two, two. Too rowdy begins. Toot toot. Too rowdy begins. Toot toot. Too rowdy begins. Toot. Too rowdy begins. One plus one equals too rowdy begins. I am so excited to have our first guest, uh, Renee King Sonin. She um, is an amazing woman. I've seen her speak a couple times uh, at different events. We sat on a panel together uh, recently in, where were we, Texas? No. Arizona. Arizona. We're somewhere. (laughs) And um, she has an amazing story to tell, and I'm so excited to have her here today. She was born and raised in Houston, Texas. She's the founder of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. Renee and her husband, Tommy, owned a cattle ranch in Arlington, Texas. She fell in love with the farmed animals on the ranch, but after witnessing time and again the babies, you know, and the animals going off to the sale barn, she became distraught and of the inherent cruelty of the business, and she went vegan. She began to pursue her dream of opening a farm animal sanctuary. And as a result of this amazing transformation, she's been seen all over the U.S. on CBS, ABC, all the big networks. Um, she get, has interviews, it seems like, all the time, weekly. <laughs> uh, it's just amazing how much um, uh, wonderful attention has come to her story. And on top of that, she does this incredible thing called the Rancher Advocacy Program, and that's where she is reaching out to ranchers, and ranchers are reaching out to her, um, wanting to transition their land, their business to a more compassionate use. Um, whether it be raising plants instead of animals or other use for their uh, for their business instead of animal agriculture. So it's just such important work, and we are so excited to have uh, Renee here today. Please welcome Renee King-Sonen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can everybody hear me okay in the back? Are y'all good? All right. Well, welcome to the Conscious Eating Conference. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, it's, uh, it, you know, it's always exciting to come and speak anytime I can represent uh, the voices of the animals uh, that have no way to say what they need to say and do what they need to do. You know, we all need to be uh, active, in my opinion, and do whatever we can for these animals, because we are truly running out of time. And I believe that with everything in me. And with that, how many of you are vegan? Look at the room, you know, look around. Wow. And if you're not, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you're not, (laughs) what I want you to do today is just suspend any notion of what you think you know. Because when cattle ranchers go vegan in Texas... I know you can too. All right. All right. So let me see. Oops. I, uh, okay. So the red trailer. So, you know, my very first experience with, with the cattle ranch 
that really, really knocked me out. And I'm going to be telling my whole story, but I want you to understand that the red trailer for me was the icon. It was the catalyst that showed me that we were imprisoning, that we were enslaving, that we were torturing beings. You know, I'm born and raised in Texas. You know, I had a collection of leather boots, went to the rodeo, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo every year. I did barbecue cook-offs, chili cook-offs. I was that girl. And when me and my husband married for the second time and I moved to Angleton, uh, it's Angleton, Texas, when I moved there, I was not impressed. I'm from the city. You know, I was one of those city slicker cowgirls. You know, and I really wasn't impressed with the mud and all this, and especially with when, whenever this red trailer came out and he started loading up all these babies and taking them to the cell barn. I just didn't want to participate in that. I thought it was, uh, you know, I mean, I was eating meat, but I still thought it was crazy. You know, I didn't like it. The red trailer would be loaded up. I would freak out. And I wrote this song as a result of going vegan. This was, this footage I'm going to show you was before my husband went vegan. It was before we funded uh, the uh, fundraiser because what I did is whenever I went vegan in October of 2014 on Halloween <laughs> at my mother-in-law's house <laughs> when she was serving beef stew in front of everyone. I had, been, I had been lamenting over this decision. I didn't even know I was transitioning. But I had been lamenting and going crazy and torturing myself. Literally, I thought I was losing my mind being married to a cattle rancher and having these feelings for cows. I had seen Melanie Joy, the uh, dissertation on carnism. Have you seen it? You know, the beef stew story? Well... I went to my mother-in-law. She's serving beef stew. The family's there. They're having a good time. All of a sudden, my ears started ringing. I started buzzing. She brings this beef stew out, and I just said out loud to the air, I can't eat that. And my mother-in-law looked at me and said, why not, Renee? I said, because it's got floating, dead, hacked-up animal bodies in it. Everybody in the room, it was loud, stopped talking. They looked at me, and they were like, what did you say? I said, it's got floating, dead, hacked-up animal bodies in it. And my mother-in-law said, well, Renee, you can pick it out. The room was silent. (laughs) And I said, no, ma'am, there's no more picking it out for me. That was the moment I know I crossed over. But let me tell you, for years, I'm 61, just turned 61 the other day. For years, I knew it was, you know, I'm that person that didn't want to go beyond that veil. I'm that person that didn't want to watch those slaughterhouse videos. I'm that person that loved animals and killed them. So many ranchers are just like us. They really love animals and kill them. So when I finally went, because in their mind they do, who are we to tell them they don't? We have to be able to have conversations with them. And so I, in my 61 years old body, am doing any and everything I can to spread the message that we must change, especially cattle ranchers, chicken farmers, pig farmers, 
Go Farmers. We must start having conversations that reflect a different concept. Animal farming is no longer acceptable. And see, that's the messaging that I give everywhere I go. And because we used to farm animals, people listen. Sometimes your typical vegans just can't be heard because they're pissed off and angry at cattle ranchers. Understandably so. But it's not going to change them. The anger doesn't change them. The conversations change them. When we sit in people's homes, cattle ranchers' homes, they're not vegan yet. I went to pick up uh, honey, uh, pregnant honey and ginger not too long ago from a cattle farmer in uh, Huntsville, Texas. Ryuji was with me. And we had conversations with that family that was not vegan, but thinking about different ways to, you know, be better and more healthy. They even had, you know, silk uh, creamer. Uh, and we were, sitting <laughs> we were sitting in their house. And this is a rancher that was a Democrat and just was so vocal about hating Trump. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? Here in Huntsville, Texas, this guy was a diehard. You can hear all about his story. We got a three-part series on our Two Rowdy Vegans podcast. And so if you look that up, you can hear all about this conversation that we are having with farmers. Okay? This cattle rancher now and his family are ready to explore another way to live. Okay? So, but I want to right now just say a big thank you. I always say a big thank you to Howard Lyman. Always. Howard was the man that I finally spoke to on Christmas Eve 2014. Uh, I had been vegan a couple of months. Me and my husband were on the brink of divorce. And it was not happy in my home. I was hanging out with the cows all day. I only came in to sleep. Literally, I was following. I became one of the herd of the cows. I just got me a tattoo recently. It says cow mama there. It's true. <laughs> I love being with the cows. There's no place I'd rather be than on the ground with the cow's head in my lap, with its neck stretched out and loving that cow. There's nothing to me that is more sacred, that is more beautiful, that has more meaning to lie on a pasture with cows that we used to send to the cell barn. The feeling I have for these animals cannot even be described. You know, and so... Howard Lyman, because he was a big, you know, cattle farmer and he had a big operation, not like me and Tommy, but he was the only person I knew to talk to. So I reached out to him over and over and over. He never called me back. He never emailed me back. I was like, what is wrong with him? He won't call me back. Who am I going to talk to? My husband's going to send all these cows to slaughter. And what am I going to do? And, you know, finally on Christmas Eve, he answers the phone. And those of you that know Mr. Lyman know his voice. He went, hello. And I said, Mr. Lyman, I said, this must be Renee. <laughs> How did you know? He said, well, you've called me a few times. You know, your number, uh, I'm remembering your phone number now. I figured I'd better call, talk to you. And so I ran to the back bedroom and cussed my husband out 100%, told him how terrible my husband was, how horrible it, he, was, he was. He was a murderer, blah, 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 blah. And he had cow heads all over, not cow heads, but deer, deer heads all over our house and elk. And I couldn't stand being in my house. And I went on and on and on and on and on. He said, are you through? <laughs> I said, yes, sir. He said, well, don't you think, Renee, that you ought to give the same compassion 
to your husband that you're giving to those cows. I could have been knocked over when he said that. I was not expecting him to say that to me. I was expecting him to say that. Sorry, you know what? And side with me and say, you need to, you know, whatever. I didn't know what he was going to tell me to do, but I didn't expect that. And so when he told me that, I said, what do you mean? He said, Renee, you're not going to reach your husband by calling him a murderer. Oh, really? (laughs) So what am I supposed to do? He said, why don't you go in there and give him a big hug and tell him you love him and invite him to share the food you're eating. Invite him into your world. Show him by your own actions. And anyway, the conversation ensued. It went on and on. Mr. Lyman today is one of my very, very dearest mentors. He's on my speed dial. I call him anytime I need to talk, you know, and he calls me Rowdy. Hey, Rowdy, you know, or or Howdy, Rowdy. (laughs) And so anyway, I always got to say a big thank you to Howard Lyman for saving literally my marriage. All right, so the Rowdy Girl story. How many of you know our story? Oh, we have people that don't know the story. Cool. Okay, well, I'm going to share with you the story. This was on ABC. It was on national TV recently. This is one of our most recent ones. Uh, We've been on CBS Evening News. We've been on many uh, national networks. I was not prepared for that, but hey, whatever it takes for these animals. I'm willing to, I'm willing to, uh, you know, go ice skate for these animals if that's what it takes, you know. I don't know, <laughs> whatever it takes. But here is the, the story as was told on Boring Common. If you'd asked me if I was ever going to be vegan, I'd have told you you were crazy. I'm Renee Kingson. My husband was a multi-generational cattle rancher until I convinced him to turn this place into a vegan farm sanctuary. This is the life of a cowboy, huh? <laughs> That's Penny, Penny Lane. The little Vito's love here, huh? The sassy one is Rue over here. <laughs> this is Baby Go. She was rescued right out of a Houston slaughterhouse. That's Sunrise. That's Lulu. That's Dominique. Everybody here has a name and a, and a medical file. Did you lay an egg? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your love story. For the cows? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she was singing in a bar. She had a firm rule. She would never date anybody in the crowd. Supposedly, I was the first. <laughs> and I came up to him, and I was like, I'm crazy. Yeah. Crazy for feeling so blue. In 2010, got married. She wanted me to move to Houston, and I wanted to stay right here. We compromised and she came here. But as soon as I started selling cows, she didn't like it. He wanted you to be a cattle farmer. Yes, a rancher's wife, a good rancher's wife. And I was very, very obstinate and resistant. So he told me about these babies that needed a mama. Rowdy girl, I fed her twice a day, every day for months. She was the reason I began to see all those cows as beings and not things and not food. This is what we call the red trailer. This is what we used to transport all the baby calves in when we would take them to the sale barn. The mothers would follow it all the way up our fence line, crying for their babies. This red trailer holds a lot of memories for a lot of different animals that went to the sale barn. And no more, no more red trailer. 
She went vegan and I wasn't happy about it. I always loved my husband, but there was a point in time when I absolutely couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand what he represented. We thought nothing would shake our marriage. And me going vegan was threatening the very core of who we were as a married couple. You know, when you're at a place where you're calling your own husband a murderer and you believe it, and he's having to hear that, it just was shattering him. We had a knockdown drag out uh, when I was trying to sell calves and I was trying to load them up. Well, not on my watch. You take those babies up the cell barn one more time, I will follow it. I will get in my car, I'll drive all the way to the cell barn, I'll buy every one of them cows back and bring them all back home. Well, if you're gonna sell the whole herd, why don't you sell them to me? After she started collecting this money and we made this deal, I figured it'd all fall apart. And in less than four months, I bought my husband's cows. I raised $36,000 and every second along the way, he was like more and more open, more aware, more convinced. We're in the heart of cattle country, and you became a vegan? Veganism was shoved down my throat, but I'm glad I did it. I'm healthier, I'm more enlightened on what we're doing to the earth, and the animals don't have to suffer either. They all have a story. He was rescued from slaughter. This is Panda, she was born here. Our mission really isn't to save cows, it's to educate people. But mine is to save cows, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I want to save all of them. Us starting the first vegan farm sanctuary ever has drawn a lot of attention to us. People in animal agriculture saw our story, and we weren't your typical card-carrying, poster-carrying vegan. We were former ranchers, and we look like ranchers, we talk like ranchers. What we're doing is offering them ways to transition. It's so good to meet y'all! You can actually start using the land, you know, to supply solar, to supply wind energy. So people are coming from all over the country to be on this farm and learn what you're doing? You know, I, one day I woke up and I said, you know, I'm not just an animal advocate, I'm a rancher's advocate. It's like we were a beacon, like this light that just went straight up, you know, and everybody from all around that was vegan or thinking about vegan could see us. And you love Renee. Oh yeah. She's an incredible woman. She, uh, she's a strong woman. She didn't let anything get in her way, including me. Now when I see my husband, who he really is, the man that's always been there, and the man that's in every rancher. The man that's in every rancher is my husband. Now maybe not all of them. There may be some real assholes out there. <laughs> I'm sure there are. But there's so many of them that I know that I've met that are so wonderful. They're just great people. So, you know, um, uh, let me see if I can get back to... What's not that? You don't care about that. I know that. Okay, let's see. Okay, our story. All right, some of our residents. Let's talk about some of our residents, okay? Today we have 124 rowdy residents. We started out with 29 cows and a few chickens. And now we have over 124. Soon we'll be moving up towards Austin. We've been in a floodplain, and we had a 100-year flood in 2016, a 500-year flood in 2017. And we, and unless I meant to build an ark, I'm not doing that again. 
And so uh, we are, um, in fact, my husband right now is looking at more property. We've got some uh, deals on the table right now, and we're hoping to move, hopefully, by uh, April or May. But here's some of our rowdy, rowdy folks, and this is just a real quick clip. <laughs> That's pepper, gizmo, cinnamon, Ooh, and the end. There's Murray and surprise. <laughs> Rowdy girl and surprise. it'll be kind of cool just to show you in person who some of them were uh, as long as that doesn't show okay um, how many of you have animals at a sanctuary somewhere awesome hi Linda it's so good to see you oh my god so y'all have animals so you know that once you start getting these relationships with animals like that you used to eat or at least for me I I just can't believe how much, uh, how deep the love can go. It's, you know, especially when it came to chickens. I mean, I was that girl that loved Chick-fil-A, uh, for God's sakes, you know. I was that girl that loved eggs, you know, and I didn't understand why it was wrong to eat the eggs out of my own chickens, you know, that laid the eggs just for me. You know, and I started, you know, doing all this research, and I discovered that any, any use of animal products at all whatsoever was not cool. It would be like me, now you have to excuse me because I'm from Texas and I'm kind of blunt, but it would be like me, you know, having a period and somebody coming in the middle of the night stealing it and scrambling it for breakfast. I mean, I finally... <laughs> I finally saw this, y'all, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, and what about, what about if they ate it sunny side the heck up? <laughs> you know, I, 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 and I know it's not really and truly a period. I mean, people always say, yeah, it ain't a period of years. Don't know. But, you know, it's the closest thing I know of, and, you know, and I really began to see, you know, and watch how these eggs are made and how they come down and how nurturing that the chickens are around their uh, their eggs and how they want to protect their eggs and they want to sit and brood and you know I began to study chickens from a whole different perspective and I just fell in love with chickens uh, I just fell in love um, yeah this is let me just go to this one because chickens to me I mean this is some of our rowdy girls uh, right there and one of our guys right there this is some of the rowdy girls. We have like about 32 uh, chickens and six roosters at Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. And I didn't think I'd ever have a rooster. I didn't think I, I didn't know how I could ever take care of a rooster. I just thought, oh my God. But we love our roosters. You know, we've learned to take care of roosters. We've learned to integrate families. We've learned to, you know, switch flocks and, and give them ample time and, and, and room. We've, lear we've learned to take care of their every need. It's so awesome to be able to care for 
these animals and to, and to watch them and study them and figure out what is it they need now. It's never enough for me to say, okay, they're done. I am constantly looking on ways to enrich the lives of the animals that we care for. You know, it's my, to me, it's my, um, it's my, it's my duty. It's my, I want to do it. And then we rescued these guys. Did y'all hear about the Colorado chickens recently? Uh, that those 36,000 chickens that were left to die? 36,000 chickens in Colorado left to die. A uh, farmer went bankrupt. Um, we get calls, you know, they wanted us to take, I mean, technically we were at capacity, but we figured this out because the need was so great. And we took 15 of these chickens. And y'all, you know, at least 34,000 of these chickens were killed, died. And so these 15 are a miracle, just a miracle. Yeah. Um, the Families Choosing Compassion Program. All right, so we have two programs, uh, the Rancher Advocacy Program and Families Choosing Compassion. Uh, our, our Families Choosing Compassion Program is all about uh, educating families that are in FFA and 4-H. So we do that a lot. We have families that contact us weekly, weekly about the animals that they are taking care of in their project, you know, their project animals in school, and they fall in love with these animals and they don't want to see them go to cell barn. Really? I'm like, when they, when they call, I'm like, really? Well, then why are you doing this? I'll ask them, then why are you, why are you, well, I want to, I, I love animals and, you know, I want to take care of animals. I said, so do you think that taking care of animals uh, ends? You know, at the cell barn, do you think that sending them to slaughter is taking care of them? Is that, your, is that your idea of care? I ask the question. I don't tell them they're bad people. Uh, they'll get real quiet. Uh, well, I don't want them to go to the cell barn. That's why I'm calling you. I said, but I want you to answer my question. Is taking these animals that you love, that you care for, that you groomed, that you've named, is it okay to send them to the cell barn? Is that part of your care? And they're like, well, you're making me feel bad. <laughs> I'm like, well, good. <laughs> good. Then, some, then what's happening is you're thinking about it. And somehow along the way in FFA and 4-H, they program these kids not to think about that, not to talk about it, not to think about it, never think about it, never talk about it. This is your mission. This is what you're doing. And we got to change this, folks. You know? I mean... FFA and 4-H are raising ranchers. They're, you know, this is where it starts. So we got to get in the system. And we do have a legal team now that is also uh, pro bono working with us to help. And um, I would love to show you one of, our, one of our sweet girls that's in our program. When I saw Gizmo, I didn't see somebody who wanted to be whipped. I saw someone who wanted to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> he loved being loved. Even though I knew there wasn't a lot of places I could go with this idea of, hey, I want to save my pig, and hey, I love him, I knew it had to be done, and I wasn't going to give up, and I'm so glad I didn't. Giving that away to somebody who was just going to kill him, not even look at him, like, just to see who he was. 
I wouldn't have let Ismo gone through just being another meaningless life, just being slaughtered. He means so much and so much to give. He has a personality. Losing Gizmo would have would have been losing another friend, and I mean, if you lost a friend, you know how that feels. You don't want to go through that. There's another side to this. There's something more than just looking at something and just seeing food and just killing a life for no reason. I mean, we don't need that. Honestly, I would just ask people to follow their hearts because I know that people know this isn't right. I know that they see things in these animals and we love our cats and we love our dogs and all of our pets, but there's a line drawn when the animals aren't cute and cuddly to us. People know this is right. They know and it causes people to turn their heads because yeah, it's hard and you go through stuff and you feel things that you might not want to feel, but it changes you for the better. His life is living is what he deserves, what all these animals deserve. If I could tell Gizma one thing, it would be, I love him. And I mean, he already knows that. He knows how much I love him from every day I see him when I come once a week. And he knows from the belly rubs I give him and every time I pet him or touch his snout, do what he does. And I mean, I wouldn't want Gizmo to know this hard fight I put up for him because this happiness is simply just what he deserves. I never expected all of this to come from just me loving my pig. Elena was 14 when I first met her. Uh, her whole family got involved in our program. They, they, come, they used to come every week. They've moved to Austin, so she's so excited that we're moving out that way. Uh, but they engaged the program like I've never seen. I mean, it was amazing to watch. She became vegan. Her mom is vegan. Her sister is vegan. And they divorced the husband. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know... Families are changing. It's happening. Uh, we also uh, rescue animals from all sorts of neglect. Uh, you know, there's several uh, cases that we've had from backyard slaughterhouses. Uh, Dee Dee and Dexter, that's the two black goats there. They were left under some old oil pipes with their umbilical cords still attached to them, uh, just left to die. Uh, they're, they're just doing great now. And Thomas uh, is the one in the middle getting his first bath. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's the one with the horns right there. He was getting his very first bath. He was going to be uh, a family dinner. Uh, and then the Florida SPCA group uh, was all rescued from backyard slaughterhouses, severe neglect. So, you know, that's another uh, part of um, the, um, the population that we rescue. And I want to just take a minute to say that my husband, the former cattle rancher, this is him taking care of Muley. Muley was going to die. Muley was going to drown in this pond. Muley is 21 years old now. 21. Our oldest cow was Spot. She died last year. She was 23. Uh, Muley has got a real severe uh, problem called founders in one of her uh, feet. We've taken her to the vet. She's been on uh, the you know, the hydraulic uh, machines where they've, they've tried to fix her foot. They've, they've worked on it several times. It just keeps coming back. But she has such a will to live. Right now, we have her separated. She's got her own little special, you know, hospitality suite. <laughs> and, but somehow, this, after this happened, this is when we gave her her hospitality suite. Because she went in the pond like she always did, but she couldn't get out. She could not get out. She was in there all 
day. We couldn't get her out. So Tommy went in there, and we, with one of our, with one of our uh, animal caretakers, got her out of that pond. And I tell you, I was, I was in tears watching my husband do this because this very cow muley was one of the ones that he used to exploit. He used to send her babies, you know, to the cell barn. And here he is caring for her now. Um, and uh, our Rancher's Advocacy Program, how many of you have heard of uh, what we're doing in RAP? Y'all, this is a natural evolution of who we are as former ranchers. I started talking to ranchers and their families because they started talking to me. You know, I didn't create a marketing plan. I mean, the, the marketing plan was people that are ranchers and, and uh, farmers of animals, they need somebody to talk to. Just like I needed to talk to Howard Lyman, they needed to talk to somebody. They need to talk to people that can tell them, I feel the same way, but I don't know what to do about it. You know, and if they talk to a typical vegan, they're going to go, well, get out of the business. What are you doing? You know, we know most vegans are like, you know, you don't need to do that. But we're like, I understand. And we listen and we talk to them and we let them cry. You know, and so this is what's happening right now in, um, in our world is we're really helping ranchers. And this is the family right here. This is the Barrett Farm. And uh, that's Jennifer and Rodney over there on the right. And that's Greg Lattice down there on the bottom left and my husband, Tommy. Greg was in the uh, documentary Cowspiracy. He is a scientist in Colorado State University. And he's on our global coalition of uh, the Rancher Advocacy Program, as any of you can be. We have a crowdsourced team that is working with us to transform farms and ranches. The Barrett Farm used to be a chicken farm. They were in bed with Tyson, okay? And they have four chicken sheds in Wicks, Arkansas. They processed 100,000 chickens every 52 days. Get your mind around that. Those sheds are empty now. The banks are calling. Foreclosure is, all, is looming on them. They've got the cows. They don't know what they're going to do. We went in, Bryuji and I, who's in the back. I got a call from Sean Munson who was doing a documentary out there, and he said, Renee, can you help these people? They don't have any hay. They're fixing to lose the farm, and we don't know how to help them. We don't know what to do. And so me and Ryuji drove nine hours. I had just gotten back from the farm in Huntsville uh, where we had uh, Honey and Ginger and the baby, and we took her somewhere. We actually went there, raised the money for the hay. We raised $12,000 in 24 hours. Uh, for them to get hay. And then I went back and I solicited people that we know, uh, a foundation that works with us, and we got them $40,000 the following week. And now we are... Yeah. Thank you. And now we are converting their farm to a mushroom farm. It's, it's hard. It's a lot of work. It's scary. We need help. Please join our coalition. If you, you know, talk to me about it afterwards, uh, and I'll be glad to tell you. Uh, there's some forms out there on the, on the table where you can give me your name, your address, your phone, all that, so I can know you want to get involved. And here's some recommended documentaries. I did everything I could to get this done in 50 minutes. Did I talk fast? 
<laughs> Please follow us on uh, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is Rowdy Girl Ranch. We're on YouTube. And uh, two rowdy vegans, you know, we've, we've just, uh, we just appreciate y'all so much. Yeah. Thank you, Hope. Two rowdy vegans, two, two, two rowdy vegans, two, two, two rowdy vegans, two, two, two rowdy vegans, two, two rowdy vegans, one plus one equals two rowdy vegans. All right, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Two Rowdy Vegans. We really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, and if this is one of the first times that you tune in, first of all, thank you so much. And second of all, we have many episodes that illustrate the things that Renee has talked about here. For example, we have multiple episodes about the Rancher Advocacy Program, where we don't just talk about what it is, but we actually show you the behind the scenes of the work that goes into the uh, Rancher Advocacy Program, including behind-the-scenes business meetings, including conversations that happen between Renee and different ranchers, interviews with past farmers who went vegan. I mean, a lot of very insightful, candid moments that I think are really powerful, and I really invite you to check those out if you're interested. In any case, until next time, episodes come out every Friday, so if you like this, also make sure you subscribe. We would really appreciate that. You can also leave a little review. That doesn't help. And uh, yeah, that was about it for me for this week. So talk to you next week. Take care.